Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Smokler, and I've got issues. I've got a ton of issues, actually, and I'm pretty sure you do, too. And I'm definitely sure we'll both feel better after talking about them. And that's what this podcast is all about. So let's get started. I'm so happy today to introduce you to my friend, Nina, who is the closest thing to a friendship expert as there is if there is such thing as a friendship expert. Nina Badson is a Minneapolis-based writer, editor, and creative writing group leader who has been answering friendship advice questions since 2014. See, that's a really long time. First for the website, The Her Stories Project, and then on her own at ninabadzin.com. She's turned her passion for all things friendship-related into the podcast, Dear Nina, Conversations About Friendship. She's a wife, a mom of four, and a big recommender of books and TV shows. Nina, I am so happy to have you here today. It's so good to see you. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me. Isn't this fun to see each other through a screen, even though you know we can't be in person because we live far apart? It's the next best thing for sure. And we are old college friends. Unfortunately, old is the uh, (laughs) the word at this point. I mean, last time we we saw each other was in person at our 20-year high school reunion, if that doesn't age us College, college reunion. College, yeah, sorry. Even worse. Wait, was it 20 years? Yes. 10 years? Wait, hold on. No, no, 10 years. That was such wishful thinking. God, (laughs) Yes, 20 years. Um, But yes, friendship. We are here to talk about friendship. Uh, We touched on it a couple weeks ago with Stephanie and Jessica, who you know, um, and we specifically focused on friendship at midlife. But today, we're going to go right to the hard stuff, which is the end of friendships. Um, And fortunately, case in point, friendships don't always end. But when they do, it's... um, it's really rough. So of the different ways friendships end, first of which being the least dramatic, which is the gradual fade out, I'd say. Is that is that the least dramatic, do you think? Yeah. And especially because that often is circumstantial. So somebody moves or somebody even moves miles. I mean, it could be just a matter of neighborhoods. Obviously, if you you completely move towns, it's going to change. But maybe your kids go to a different school now, even within the same town. Changing the circumstance can really make a friendship fade out, but that's not as personal. So that doesn't create the hurt that you're probably thinking about and that a lot of people who write me letters for advice are thinking about. Those just don't hurt as much. They're real and it does maybe shake up your social life, but it, it doesn't hurt. And those are the ones that are really easy to pick back up with because they didn't have that level of hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then there's ghosting. So ghosting is, and I don't know exactly when this term got popular, but it is, it's out there. It's a discussion with dating, which I haven't dealt with in a long time, but it's a huge friendship issue. Nina, it's awful as a spoiler. (laughs) Oh no. It's really bad. I think with friendship, it may even feel more hurtful, more personal. In some ways, we're so intimate with our female friends. And to have somebody choose to be a friend and then not only choose not to, but completely disappear, to completely disappear out of our lives and to choose not to be in a relationship, we carry that pain for a long, long time. And a lot of people can remember details of missing a friend from 20 years ago. It could be 
decades and you remember that feeling of all of a sudden somebody disappeared and it's so painful. And yet one thing I do find a challenge is do we really want to know why someone doesn't want to be our friend? Because Jill, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I get a lot of letters from people who are very angry that a, f- a close friend has disappeared and with no explanation. And people don't necessarily disappear. I'm making it more dramatic than it is. That does happen. That's ghosting. I think a more gradual ghosting is more realistic. Somebody yep. all of a sudden- Shorter text. text yeah, yep. exactly. Canceling plans, not rescheduling. I, I wouldn't say people don't just literally not show up that often. I mean, that I mean that actually has happened to me once, but it's pretty rare. It is much more common that somebody fades away, but not in the way we were just talking about earlier, where it's the the more natural way because they moved or something like that. They're doing it on purpose. You know right. the feeling when it's on purpose. And when you can sense that they're just they're pulling back. It's like in a real, you know, if, if you were dating, it's you get the vibe that that person is just not that into you. It's the, exactly. the, the, the letters I get. Anymore. It's like I want to almost say that I wouldn't say that, on, you know, I wouldn't say that directly necessarily, but they'll say stuff in the letters like I have this friend who we've been so close. We, we really enjoy spending time together, but she almost never texts me back. She never reaches out first. And some friendships, by the way, this is a really common thing. There are some friends who just never reach out first. That's a separate topic. But this is more like they used to, but now they don't. They cancel plans when we have plans. And I always want to say this friendship is over. Right. It, it is. Sometimes you, it doesn't mean it's over forever. And we could talk about that later, that not all friendship ends have to be forever, but it probably means that in this moment, that friendship isn't going forward. Because it's really all about effort, which is what I've discovered at this point yeah, in my life, that that's it is. at the core of it. If you want your friendships to sustain and to be something meaningful, you have to put the time into them. Absolutely. And there can even be those friends, like you said, that pick up after time apart, but it still requires effort. So I have some friends that I only speak to twice a year, but without those two times, we wouldn't have anything. You have to even at least have the bare minimum of some communication. It cannot just be social media likes forever. But once a year is okay. Like certain friendships, it's just not going to, I mean, you can't have everyone isn't your closest, closest intimate inner circle. It's not natural to have that. And we have our families that take up time too. So you can only have so many friends in that. But these outer layer ones, they do require some level of showing up. And yeah, if somebody is not going to text back, which is like the bare minimum that can be done in a friendship, that is probably the end. And so I was saying, I hear from people who want to know why they're being ghosted. And yet so many of us have been on both sides. We've also been the one who fades away a little bit, stops texting back mm. as much. And we do that because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I actually think there is a positive spin on the reason we do that to each other is because it's so hard to say directly to someone, this is why I don't want to be friends, unless it's something very specific they did. Oh, I happens. would be incapable of telling somebody honestly why I just don't want to be their friend. That would be so, that would be awful. And I wouldn't want to hear it either. I would not want to be in the receiving end of that. Ignorance is bliss in that situation. Jill, I agree with you so much. And yet I can't tell you how many times I hear from people who really are bitter that they didn't get to know the answer. And I wish I could sit them down in person and just say, what makes you think you're going to get an honest answer? Just because you Mm. confront somebody and try to get them to tell you why they stopped texting, calling, wanting to hang out with you, it doesn't mean they're going to say, and that's not always the worst thing. Because 
maybe something about your personality at this moment isn't working for that person. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. I really try to get that message across. Not all matches work just like in dating and friendship too. It's just the chemistry isn't always there anymore. It doesn't always work, but we shouldn't run around trying to fix ourselves for every single person. Maybe that friendship just isn't going to work anymore. And and to feel bad about who you are because this one person doesn't like it anymore um, is so damaging. Although there is that that fine line of having some personal awareness. And if there are things you have done that are hurtful, you got to think about that. It would be nice if somebody would tell us. But usually you know. Don't you think that if somebody has faded away, some not always, but a lot of times we we know that we haven't been a good friend or that we were, I don't know, I can't think of a specific example right now, but I definitely have had times in my life when I know I could have done better. And it's not terribly shocking that somebody's feeling peeved at me. Yeah, this brings me to a topic um, that I'll probably start tearing up about. Um, and this is a uh, this is the heartbreak uh, breakup, which is um, the the roughest, and this this is the one that sticks with you and has been. It's been ten years since I had my heartbreak breakup with my childhood best friend, and I feel like I finally have gotten closure from it because I reached out to her and just said my piece and put it out there and have stopped obsessing about my role in the demise of the relationship, which I really, at the time that it ended, was so um, unself-aware and oblivious that I could not, for the life of me, understand why she could not be my friend at that, you know, that moment in time. Um, And I, it caught me so off guard. Um, and I was so hurt and devastated. And if you're comfortable was, saying like, was going back to what you're saying before, did it slowly fade? Did she just disappear? Did you disappear? I, I'm curious, like how you knew it was over. Was it really obvious this friendship was over? I'd say it was a slow fade that I didn't recognize as it was slowly fading. And then it was all of a sudden, and I was like, holy shit, that was out of nowhere because I wasn't really paying attention to the slow feed. Yeah, I think that's helpful to other people that it isn't often because the word ghost, ghosting is sort of misleading because you said something so important there that, you know, maybe you didn't see some of the signs along the way, but it, it, things often are not out of nowhere. And then yeah, it was, it was, oh, yeah, it was a long time coming. And I think the issues that she had with me were probably you know, maybe not decades old, but, um, I think I was very wrapped up in myself. Um, not probably not. I think it was when I, once I coupled up with Jeff and once I got married, I think I was, I was very, um, protective of our relationship and our dysfunctional marriage and whatever was going on there that I really closed myself off to my friendships so much so that I was so, there were so many boundaries because when you're, you know, I couldn't talk about so many things with, with friends. So I really 
was so isolated and I didn't realize it at the time because I that you were was sort coupled of... up really young. I mean, it's I'm I'm a rare yeah. guest who can say I witnessed. I was there. You were. I was there. I lived from the a beginning. couple doors. Yes, I lived a couple doors down from Jeff in our freshman dorm, and um, you were a big presence. And I think he might have even been more of a presence on your dorm, if I remember correctly, in big time in your place. And of course, he was such an important and a huge part of your life, and tons of fun to be with. And so it scratched that itch that you didn't need. You didn't have the need for maybe the childhood friend that other people might've had because they didn't have as quick and intimate of a relationship in college, either with a friend or with a significant other. So you had that and then therefore maybe didn't need, I'm just guessing, you know, that you didn't need this communication with your old friend. And also it wasn't as easy to communicate with people back then. Like you would have had to sit in your dorm room, wait for a phone call we emailed a little bit, but it wasn't like it is now where it's so easy to be in touch with people. It was really more after I had kids. She was single um, for a lot longer than I was. And I think I thought I just didn't have any understanding of being single in your thirties and just having no sense of what the future is. I think I had such an, ironically, such yeah. a clear sense of what my future looked like. And hers was so cloudy. And, you know, she was so stressed about, you know, getting married and having kids and how it would all evolve. And I think she's the very settled one now. And I feel like my life is is upside down <laughs> in a turn of events. Um, but yeah. So anyway, after after we had our breakup, she got married shortly after, and I stalked the shit out of her on Facebook, and it was oh, yeah. brutal. It was horrible because I was supposed to be the maid of honor at her wedding. She was the maid of honor at my wedding, wow. um, and that I mean, she was you know aunt to my kids. I was supposed to be aunt to hers. It was the plan. We were each other's beaches, you know, all of that. So every single person listening is feeling this. I know it because I feel it. And we all have a relationship like that. I have one like that too. We broke up earlier than that. It was after high school. And then we got together for a short time again and then broke up again. And we're talking about these like relation, like, like significant other relationships because that's what it feels like. I have a question for you back to the social media and her wedding and seeing the pictures. So she didn't block you. You didn't block her. It wasn't that kind of friendship. She unfriended me, but there were like, there were pictures that were, you know, still public. So I didn't have my, you know, I didn't have like private access, but there were still saw like her profile pictures and like pictures she's tagged in and all that. An unfriend, I will say a social media unfriend is pretty official. I mean, that's, that's a breakup. I mean, because we have, like we said before, all these sort of faded friendships that don't have the anxiety and, ang- and angst with them. And we're still connected with those people. You can you you can still like their pictures, comment on them, and, and you're not going to probably invite them to your 50th birthday party, which isn't for like five years for all of us, <laughs> let's say. But, <laughs> but you like them. If you ran into them in Target, you'd, you'd chit-chat. To unfriend is a really aggressive, I mean, I guess blocking would be one step more. But an unfriend says, I don't even want your pictures to show up in my feed. Like it's just a to be real about social media. If that's yeah. I mean, it's not silly. This is how we communicate and stay in touch now. I mean, it is for real. The, the word social and social media, that's what it means. And that is one step extra to blocking is one thing. Unfriending means I don't want to see your pictures. Blocking mm-hmm. means you can't see my pictures. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe blocking I, goes both ways, but yeah, I I don't want to know what is happening in your life. You are not, yeah. yeah, you are not invited to be a part of my life, and I don't want to be involved in your life. Yeah, right. That second part, it's harsh. I, it's harsh. Like I, I don't think we realize that we talk a lot about um, not wanting people to see your stuff, which makes sense. Like you want a sense of privacy, maybe with certain people, but that extra step of they do not even want to encounter your stuff. And I'm not trying to pour salt in your wound. <laughs> I, I've been there. And it's I know, it is, Nina. I know. I get <laughs> it. She doesn't want to see you. Um, well, okay, let's go back to when you reached out because I think this could help other people. When you reached out after you guys had been apart sometime, what was the goal of that? Were you hoping to just gain understanding about what happened or were you hoping to reconcile? I was hoping to reconcile. I was hoping to have a big, like I said, beaches moment. And I envisioned us just sobbing on the phone for like days after. And it was very anticlimactic. She she responded immediately and was like, we should catch up. And I was so relieved that she responded and so happy. And we haven't caught up. <laughs> so we've sort of wow. gone back and forth. Like, And she's really busy. She has two young kids and she's working and um, you know, and I think I'm just not a top priority. I think she has not spent the last 10 years obsessing about me the same way I have spent obsessing about her. So I think it's just not a top priority, which is fine. Oh, Jill, that's uh, some, that is something I relate to so much. I had a very close friend in my life for my whole childhood. Then she kind of disappeared in college and I obsessed, obsessed, obsessed about it. I actually think it might be one of the reasons I'm so into this topic, like the I source effect of that moment of it, while we were at school and we were in school together, I had a lot of good friends. I was not lacking in friends and I had other childhood friends I was still in touch with and still have to this day. And yet I was really obsessed with this one friend. And finally, towards the end of college, we did reconcile for a short time. And I brought forth all this. I wrote a letter from while I was abroad. I wrote her a letter, sent it. She got the letter. And we did come back together for a little bit. But she was very like, oh, that I don't remember. I was like, why? Why oh, wow. weren't we friends anymore? What What was it? And I was waiting for this big explanation. I was ready to be criticized. Like I was open right. to what Something profound. Do? Yes. And she was just like, oh, that. Oh. I don't know. I don't remember. And <laughs> it, it, it really, it's so, when you said anticlimactic, it's like I was carrying this balloon of emotion. Uh, it's like she just took a little needle and she's like, mm, pop, for better wow. or worse. I mean, she also didn't inundate me with all these horrible things about me. And we stayed friends for a couple more years, but then she kind of disappeared again. And I was like, okay, fool me once. Been there, done that, seen it. I, wow. I'm not going to like, so... Yeah, that was a long time ago, and and I did not have her at my wedding. I mean, this was all like post college. You know, you and I yes. both got married early, Jill. It, there wasn't a lot of time in between getting back together and getting married, but I figured it out. And you know, you and I have another friend in common that I have a breakup story with, but it is a happy ending. And I did a whole episode with uh, our mutual friend Rebecca, who also wasn't at my wedding, and we were best, best, best friends in college, but. We, for a lot of reasons that people could listen to that episode because I, it's just too involved. We had a couple years apart, and I just want to bring that up because, unfortunately, with your friend, you guys didn't reconcile. But sometimes a reconciliation is possible, and the time apart is better for the friendship. Yeah. So sadly, she was not at my wedding. It's like one of the sore spots of of our history. But I was at hers a couple years later, and we are closer than ever, but 
we we joke that we have the most examined friendship in the history of friendships. <laughs> there are letters and discussions. We did a whole episode now. I'm bringing it up here. But that, as opposed to the other one I mentioned from high school, this one had a happy ending. And it is possible because I do want to say- I'm not giving up hope yet. I'm not, okay, I'm not totally giving up hope. Yeah. It is normal for friendships to ebb and flow. And it is normal for friendships to end. I think it's so important. I know that you hear from people, I hear from people who have all these really upsetting breakup stories that they can't let go. But it doesn't mean that we won't be sad about those. But I wish I could get more people to understand and accept that not all friendships will last forever. And it doesn't mean that friendship didn't have value. It doesn't mean that it didn't teach you something. It doesn't mean that person can't have a special place in your memories. It may not last forever. And if we have to feel badly about every friendship that ended, we're going to feel bad all the time because it is a truth. There's been research on this that a lot of people change their friendships around every seven years. The number is seven. It is not uncommon for people who were in your life seven years ago to not be in your life as closely. Maybe you're still associated, but you may not be as close. And I bet if a lot of us sat down and made little lists of people we were close with, like really close with, texting every day, going out for walks and all these things seven years ago, you may not be as close today. And I think that's accurate. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like there are Mm -hmm. people who I, I, yeah, I think about my crowd who I couldn't get through my day without texting. And I knew every detail of what was happening in their families and their kids. And, and now I barely keep in touch with it's, it's strange. And you could still have good feelings about them. Like think about the people that you did so much work with for Scary Mommy. And like you just, I mean, I'm sure you were texting, emailing on the phone, working, working. And that becomes a friendship too. I mean, you're colleagues, but you're also friends and you're sharing so much stress together. And and now everyone's doing their own thing, but doesn't mean that if you saw them at something, you wouldn't be thrilled and catch up. And we just can't maintain, it's not realistic to maintain extremely close relationships with every person we collect along the way. Because we grow and we change and you want to be able to bring someone new and close to your life. Absolutely. That's the one positive of breakups and, and endings. There's there's breakups and there's endings. Those are Those are slightly different as we talked about at the beginning. But they both can create some pain. And I, I'm just here to say possibly unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. It's like possible that we could be a little kinder to ourselves and say it's actually normal that the person that you chose to be extremely close with when you were 12 isn't the same person who's going to be extremely close to you when you're 45. Yep. For those of us who have been broken up with and are hurting and mourning those friendships, what advice can you give us to heal and to get to the other side of of the pain? I would start with accepting it is a true heartbreak. And there's no shame in that. It's just nothing to be embarrassed about. You can be sad, angry. All those feelings are real because this person chose to be in your life Now they have chosen not to be, and it is hurtful. It is a true hurt. One piece of advice I've given, used myself and seen other people give, is to write that person a letter but not send it. Mm. Write it as if you're going to send it. I mean, really get everything out there. Everything big, everything small, all the stuff you loved about this friend, all the reasons you're sad because you're going to miss this friend, and all the reasons you're angry because they left you. And 
you really without your permission, probably. I mean, a breakup is often one-sided. If it was two-sided, you wouldn't feel as bad about it. So I'm right. assuming in this scenario, it's a one-sided situation and you're angry and you write that down too. It's the beginning of mourning. I mean, it, it's like a grief period. And I think it's good to write it all out, the good, the good and the bad, because denying the good in the relationship doesn't help. You sort of have to mourn those things too. Yeah. And then just allowing yourself to take time and be sad and you can process it with other friends. I know I sometimes see advice to not bring in a third person. I wouldn't bring in anybody who's going to be caught in the middle. Like that's really not fair to that third person, someone who's still going to be friends with both people because it's pretty unlikely when there's a breakup that there's going to be no overlap. You are probably going to have to contend with that there are some people who are still friends with the person who's broken up with you. So I wouldn't choose those people, but talk to your other friends, get that affirmation that there are people in your life who love you and appreciate you just as you are. Cause I hope that that is the case for a lot of people that even if somebody ended a friendship, you have other friends and maybe it's time to pour energy into those people. So I would say, allow yourself to mourn, but not forever. Mm-hmm. And I think you're doing a great job with the story you told here that you were sad and you were upset and you lurked on her social media, which is so normal. Everyone does that. But it seems like you've accepted that it's time to think about what kind of friendships you want now. Yeah. And it took me 10 years, 10 years. And I, I really thought about her every single day for those 10 years. And I was, I, I was embarrassed. I was, you know, confused. Like I didn't understand why it was taking up so much of my brain space. Like it was a friend. It wasn't, you know, this wasn't the love of my life. This wasn't, um, yeah, I just wanted to move on from it. And I felt so stuck for so long and just the act of, even if she hadn't responded and basically she didn't because she responded, but it wasn't really a response, but just getting it out there was, um, yeah, it was enough. And I really feel very settled in it. And whatever happens, happens. If she, if we circle back and fill each other in on what's happening, if we, if we end up in each other's lives, if we don't, at least I'm comfortable with that. I, you know, that I put out an apology and I accepted my part in the end. And now I can move on and know better for future friendships, you know, what to do. Two more really quick, important points from your story. I think apologizing if there's something you feel that you did wrong, that was the perfect thing to do so that at least, you know, you did what you could. And then the second thing I think you did really well, I would advise other people is that then you let her go. Yeah. You said your piece. She didn't work really to keep in touch. Like you said, you know, you kind of talked about getting back together or not getting back together, but at least catching up. And she didn't really pick up the ball on that and you let it go. And when people write me letters and say, my friend doesn't text back, like all the things I told you earlier, they're not making the effort. I do tend to advise, let the person slip away. This friend Mm -hmm. is trying to fade away. And unless you did something really egregious that you owe an apology for, you're going to let them for now. And it doesn't have to be forever always, but that you can't demand somebody stay your friend. You just can't. I think people want to sometimes because we don't want to feel embarrassed about the friendship ending, but you can't force someone to stay in your life. Yes. So you did a great job. It's hard. <laughs> it is so hard. And, I, and I've and i messed it up several times and we learn, we learn and we get better. Well, Nina, you did a great job because I love your points. This was wonderful and I feel better. And I just, um, I really feel what I learned from the experience with her and what I take forward 
with me is really just putting in the effort to my friendships and putting in the time and just being a, a thoughtful friend. And I think that's what I was lacking, you know, in my previous relationships. Um, so I'm looking forward to the next portion of my life and the next seven years and seeing what, uh, they have in store. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. I love talking to you anytime, on screen, off screen. Yes, ditto. Um, Tell people where they can find you, please. So I have a website and it's just my name. I never came up with anything clever. It's ninabadzin.com, B-A-D-Z-I-N. And all my stuff is linked there. You can ask anonymous questions about friendship. And what's great about that form, it does not require an email address. So the questions are truly anonymous. But my podcast, All About Friendship, is called Dear Nina, Conversations About Friendship. Perfect. Thank you again. Bye, Joe. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today and come back next week for another issue. She's Got Issues is produced by Kristen Kelbley, Gwen Sound, Kira Shine, and me, Jill Spokler. Please do us a favor and rate and review the podcast and tell a friend because she's got issues too.